death and taxes, two topics that often make us feel like an overwhelming sense of dread. But we're gonna tackle these topics today. And my guest is an expert on both death and taxes, and she's gonna help shed light on this subject so that we can be making empowered decisions when it comes to what to do with taxes, how taxes can affect so many different aspects of our life. And we'll touch a little bit on death too. Robin Forsyth is the owner of Forsyth Law in McKinney, Texas. And I just wanna say welcome and thank you, Robin, for coming and helping shed light on these topics that are often not something that we talk about a lot. Absolutely, I'm so excited. I love talking about taxes. <laughs> um, as we get started, I wanna start off with taxes. Um, because this is something that, you know, often it just is a feeling of overwhelm, a feeling of dread. I don't know what I don't know. Um, and and when people come to you with their tax issues, um, what, are, what are some of the issues that you're seeing? And when do you wish that people would come to you? It's a great question. So usually people come to me when they have, uh, it's called a notice of deficiency. And it'll be something like, after they already had an audit or after the IRS has assessed problems or even, I don't know, way down the line when they have a, a levy against their bank account. Uh, those are times when I really wish people had called me like the first time they had some <laughs> issues. So we could either set up an installment agreement or set up some way to like get rid of that tax debt. Right. And um, that's just, I mean, there's so many tools you can use, but once you're backed into that corner, it's almost too late for a lot of things, including tax court, where you can go back to appeals and kind of work through things as well. So there are opportunities along the issues. If you're if you're having tax issues, there are, there are opportunities along the way to ha really address those issues. What you don't want to do is just shove it in a drawer and ignore it. Right, and people will do that. And uh, when you wind up coming to us and talking about your tax issues, you'll actually get the opportunity to have where we're a buffer for you. So you sign a power of attorney and we get all your mail. Like you get the mail and we get the mail. So when you get that notice and you call me up, I'm like I already know, I got it too. And we can talk through it and explain what it means and everything like that as well. All right, so how did you get interested in taxes? Tell us a little bit about your background. Um, I always was interested in taxes just as a kid, which is really weird. I did my parents' taxes when I was a teenager. And then going into school, I did accounting as my undergrad and um, tax and then finance as well. And then uh, I graduated in 2009. So that was like that big recession and it was kind of terrible. And I wound up working for the state and I did forensic stuff for them and uh, criminal. I, went, I spent five years with them doing criminal taxes. Um, we put people in prison. I went to court. I did trials. I've been an expert witness uh, for state, local and federal law enforcement. So, okay. What? Um we, like, <laughs> I think tax and criminal certainly want to avoid ever um, doing anything criminal. What, you know, what gets you put into the criminal uh, bucket? Usually it's people ignoring stuff too long. So like I worked for the state of Kentucky and in the state of Kentucky, if you fail to remit taxes or fail to file, it's actually a felony. So a lot of times we'd find people that had really successful businesses or they had um, either really successful businesses or had lost everything, right? So sometimes they didn't pay their sales tax for two years and where did that show up? And they wound up getting criminally prosecuted because they never answered their letters. They never responded. They never did their protests. They never did all the things that you should do. And then they wound up, that was the only option. 
that the state had. All right. So you went from the prosecuting side yep. to then helping people avoid tax issues. Yes. And um, when did you when did you move into that arena then? Uh, I started that. Let's see. We moved here. So I guess it was 2017. I started okay. doing that again. And um, it's just been more more fun, more rewarding. It's better to help people get out of a bad situation than seeing them already in the bad situation where they can't really escape at that point. Do you work with like emerging businesses, people who are wanting to do it right and, um, and invite you to be part of that process? Yes, we do everything from the beginning to wrapping it up. Um, in the beginning, it's a lot easier because we can offer all sorts of services for you. We can offer tax planning, tax strategy, all the things to build your business and make sure your business is functioning correctly. Um, and then also the wind down of the business as well, if necessary. Okay. And so I would think that a really good time to bring in a tax strategist is when your your business is kind of you know beginning to take off and you can really put in place things that will help your business grow. Right, exactly. And not only grow, but give you the benefit of being the owner. What is the benefit? Where can I save money? Where can I make additional money? Um, do I have kids that work in my business? There's so many opportunities to, you know, even if you're in a bad place, if you come to me in a bad place, our goal is always to put you in a better place going forward. So not to not to just get you in, fix it, and you be gone. We want to make sure that you're on the right trajectory to fix the problem and never have that problem again. I love that. <laughs> um, it seems like a very, very valuable resource because I think a lot of people don't know and understand that if you, you know, when you're paying for a good tax strategy, that that can really help you in so many different ways in your business. Exactly. And I mean, you can save right off the bat, sometimes five to $20,000, right? Right out of the bat. And then also as you grow and make more money, there's other opportunities that'll show themselves. And how do you integrate that with your current business or your current finances? And also like taking, as you get more employees, being able to provide more benefits or whatever. Yep, exactly. And the benefits, how do the benefits help you? How do they not help you? Which one should I go for? Which one will help retain my employees better. So when we say tax strategist, really it sounds more like you're a business growth strategist. That's kind of what I like to be. <laughs> um, tax is that three letter word, but it's important and we need to talk about it. You know, so many of my clients are, you know, getting a divorce um, and moving through the divorce process. And we always tell them I'm not a tax advisor, so I can't give you tax advice. Uh, but we certainly see and come across a lot of tax issues. What are some common tax issues that you see for people who are moving through the divorce process? Probably the biggest one is taxes not have been filed in many years, especially uh, you'd be surprised like business owners, people that look like they have successful businesses haven't actually filed or they took out money out of their 401k and were afraid of the tax bill and never filed. So when that comes around, then uh, the divorce happens and all of a sudden both spouses get this huge tax bill uh, because the IRS finally caught up with you on their yeah. on their end. And um, then what do you do from there, right? Because technically in community property states, spouses are equally, equally sharing that debt, but... 
And I think I think I want to back up there because it's something that a lot of people don't know and understand. They think, well, if I earned the money, it's my money, or you know, my spouse earned the money, that's her problem. Um, and in a community property state, the IRS is, is it will treat the income differently than it does in other non-community property states. Right. And I mean, to be fair, community property states do have their benefit in a tax tax world for like step up basis if one spouse dies. You and your house is worth three hundred thousand when you bought it, and a million when your spouse dies. If you sell it, you only have to pay tax on what you get above the million dollars, right? So, well, that's a little more complicated than that. But um, so there's some benefit there. But at the back end, on the bad side of it, is that fifty-fifty thing. And then if one spouse didn't know what was going on, then uh, there's a chance that they can. They can kind of get out of that, but it's a long process. And that quote, when you say get out of it, that's the innocent spouse relief you're talking about. Correct. Yes. So. And what do you need to show innocent spouse? I mean, if you did know what was going on and you were just turning a blind eye because you liked having the extra cash in the bank account, is that going to qualify as innocent spouse? No, it's not. It's absolutely, you have to like prove it almost beyond a doubt that they didn't know or the other spouse has to agree to it that yes they are taking responsibility for the rest of the debt which it doesn't always happen it's very rare I've seen it a handful of times more likely is the spot the um, non-innocent spouse in that however you want to call it situation would say no 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 she knew the whole time or he knew the whole time that i that we weren't paying taxes but I've seen some stuff like um, I got a whole box once and these people owed, say, over a million dollars to the IRS over three years. And uh, he had even like created the the back piece that said it had been accepted by the IRS. Wow. So he was actually <laughs> going through the effort of creating uh, fraudulent documents. Yeah. So it looked like they were received. Yep, exactly. So he had done the whole process, created the whole thing, but also created that piece. And that was really helpful for I love it when you said they brought me a box. So I <laughs> we still deal with this a lot is that people still bring in like bags and mm -hmm. boxes of receipts. Is yep. that, are you still experiencing a lot of that? Absolutely. People love to keep receipts. And when you could just have QuickBooks and just take a picture of the receipt and throw it away. Not I was going to say, what, what are some good tools to use to help simplify the record keeping? Absolutely. Um, you can, what you can do if you have QuickBooks and you have a business, you can base it, or even if you use QuickBooks in your personal life, like I do, you can literally just take a photo on your phone from the QuickBooks app and it'll upload it and match it to that transaction. So you never, so you never lose them. So you don't need to have a whole bag. Of yeah, yeah. And then they match, <laughs> and then it matches, and you don't have to worry about uh, your tax professional not knowing what it's for. So when we talk about tax professionals, this can be a little bit confusing because there are all kinds of different people who are doing taxes, helping with taxes. I. I thought if somebody was a CPA, that meant that they were filing taxes. That's not necessarily the case. Can you kind of break down for us some of the different designations that people have and like, you know, when you should hire what? So there's tax preparer. They have no accreditation whatsoever. And if you get in trouble with the IRS, the only time they can represent you is when it's the tax year that they prepared. Okay. Um, the next step up from that is an enrolled agent. They've taken a test with the IRS and they can represent you before the IRS. And then above that is the CPA and they've gone obviously through lots of different sections. Um, a lot of CPAs that do do tax returns don't actually do tax resolution because it's uh, cumbersome and 
uh, you spend a lot of time talking to the IRS or following up with the IRS and it's not as easy. And then above that, we have tax attorney. So if you're an attorney, you can represent anybody before uh, before the IRS and also before tax court as well. Okay, and then what is a tax strategist? A tax strategist is generally either a CPA or a tax attorney, sometimes enrolled agents as well. Uh, it just depends on how long they've been practicing, what kind of stuff they've done. A tax strategist will look at your past your three years worth of returns and give you a plan, how we go forward. And they'll also, um, in my opinion, a good way to do it is monthly. See what's going on monthly with your business and then also your long-term plan. So you can look at not only the budget, how it's going, but how things are changing so we can alter that plan during the year to okay. prevent anything from blowing up in your face at the end of the year. So instead of just focusing on what's already happened, you can really look forward and plan Correct. forward yep. and maximize um, your tax. Right. And in previous years, it was great too, because you could also have like a, you could pull back some of your losses and you can't really do that anymore. But in previous years, we can look at your previous year's returns and say, well, you had a big loss two years ago. We can bring back some of that and kind of okay. make up for that as well. But the tax laws are changing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I mean, I know one of the things that is a common misperception in Texas has to do with alimony. Yeah. So, for example, you know, you may know a neighbor or a friend who gets alimony. Um, and, you know, people come in and say, well, I want alimony too. And, and really, our system is not really set up for alimony. There is a little bit of spousal maintenance. But we used to see alimony as an agreed um, construct, agreed payment, payout, so to speak, because there were tax advantages that the person paying the alimony could deduct it. And exactly. that went away in 2019. It's taxable to the receiver mm -hmm. and deductible to the payer. So yep. those old agreements are still in effect. Oh, they are. And they're still tax deductible under that. They're yep. kind of grandfathered in, but any new agreements, that, that all went away. Yeah. yeah. So we just, we are not seeing it that much. Really? Do you see it? Yeah, we see it, but they're usually old agreements. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, um, they're phasing out or they're coming to, to term. Like some of them have been head of alimony for 20 years and it's just how they, how they live. And then you get to a point and then now they don't have it anymore. So... <laughs> Um, all right, so somebody's preparing to, to kind of move into divorce and they, they think their spouse, they assume their spouse is filing tax returns. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe they were asked to sign something every year and thought, okay, but they really weren't paying attention. How can they find out whether or not the taxes were actually filed and paid? That's a great question. So you can actually go on the IRS's website and pull your transcript. Um, you can do it that way or you can call them. Um, if you file joint taxes, occasionally they'll require your um, spouse's agreement to that, but you should be able to, even on your own personal return, see that you filed married filing jointly, even if you can't access like the full record. Okay. Um, but if you can't see that and you want a copy of your return, you can likely ask the IRS to give that to you and get a copy of it. Um, yeah, I mean, the IRS has a great website for it when it works and you just go on and you click transcript and you can see your whole transcript. It'll ask you the reason you want your transcript. Not really sure why it asks you that, but you can just choose to review or 
federal taxes or however you want to do it that way. Okay. So we just talked, you just mentioned like the married filing joint, and that would be probably the most common filing status for people who are married. Yes. But let's break down what the different filing statuses are and how they impact taxes. Sure. So we have head of household. That's basically that you have um, a dependent and a an adult that has an income. Uh, then married filing jointly, you file together as a married couple. Married filing separately, you might file um, separately from your spouse. And then uh, single. So probably the one with the most, the two with the most large advantage are head of household and married filing jointly. So, okay. Um, now, married filing jointly, you have to do by agreement, right? Like you can't, nobody can make you file married filing jointly. Correct. If you're feeling stressed out or you don't think that they have your best interest at heart or you're worried about anything with taxes, you can always file married filing separately. But one of the mistakes that people think is if I file married filing separately, I'm just reporting my income. Right. And in, in a community property state, that's not the case. You're going to have to report half of your spouse's right. income and, and deductions. Correct. And you get half of that and you kind of split it. And um, there are other ways to deal with that. But if, like I said, if you're worried about it, you can just report yours and you can always put a statement on the on it that says like, because you can always add statements to your return. Like, um, I my spouse would not give me records to do the community property divide. Okay. Yeah. So there are ways to help kind of protect yourself. Yep. And that would probably be a good time to talk with your tax preparer and tax planner yep. um, if they're not being forthcoming with information. Absolutely. Yeah, because you don't you don't want to set yourself up for failure, but you also want to make sure you're protected. So. Because when you file married filing jointly, you're, you're signing joint and several liability, right? Yeah, exactly. And what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> that means that you're both responsible for the full amount of the tax, especially if taxes do or if you claim credits anything you claim, um, you'll be responsible for penalties. Um, you're responsible for everything on that return, uh, which is also why you should learn or have your tax preparer explain to you what's on the document, what it all means. Yes. So if somebody is preparing the tax return for both of you, make sure you're having conversations and engaged in that conversation. Right. Because a lot of people think that, well, my tax preparer did it, so I'm not responsible. And that's not the case because you're signing the return and you're saying you understand and know what's in it. Okay. Now, the head of household status when you have a dependent. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's but you're no longer married, right? right? And you have to be single or um, there are rules about how long you've lived apart as well. Okay. So it could, if you're in the middle of a divorce or separation or something, you could qualify for head Correct. of household. Yep. And um, now let's say you have two children. Mm -hmm. Can both parents claim head of household? Uh, if they're both, if they are divorced, they can. Um, as long as one has one child and one has the other. Generally, we tell people that whoever has the child the majority of the time, but you can also use the agreement that you guys have to split the children the way it's it's meant to be. So oftentimes it is something that we talk about in divorce is who's gonna be claiming the children. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, the, the what are the general IRS rules about who gets to claim the children? So generally it's who the child lives with the majority of the year, okay? And, um, but if you have a 50-50 custody situation, or like I said, the IRS generally will uh, allow the agreement to come in from the divorce. Uh, so you'll see people that switch years, you know, depending on how that works. Um, 
whoever pays child support may claim it. Like it, it, it's very strange, but the general guideline is that the child has to live with you the majority of the year. Now let's say, is it is there a cap at which a parent is making too much money that the children won't be any benefit to their taxes? Um, having a dependent will always give you a benefit. Uh, that's something you really wanna check your specific situation, right? Because depending on who's paying for the, the um, the child's daycare, who's paying for what, and how that kind of plays into how that's going to be. And if you have a tax strategist, you can absolutely look at that, and they'll look at it and tell you how it will change in the next okay. year and who can do better because they change things so frequently <laughs> and so quickly. I never know what they're going to do. <laughs> All right, so another issue that's near and dear to my heart are um, adult children, mm -hmm. uh, but maybe not quite fully self-sufficient adult children. So when, how long can you claim a child on your tax return? after they turn 18 and when does that kind of tap out so it taps out when they provide the mo the majority of their uh their self income right so like if they have a, a big kid job uh that's probably not going to qualify and that's up to 24 years of age so okay. and like through well 22 through school i think it might be 24. that one's a that one's a mystery for me okay. in my brain. Um, but usually it's through college that you can claim them unless they're making uh, too much money. Okay. And then they wouldn't be able to be claimed as a dependent. So if they're 30 years old and still at home and on my couch, I can't claim them anymore? Are they disabled? Do you provide more than 75% of their kid? <laughs> so depending, it depends on the situation, okay. quite honestly, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there are situations to look at and address and mm -hmm. um, yeah. Mine's only 21 right now. Oh, I was going to say. He's okay. in college doing everything he's supposed to do. So we're good. Happy to happy to keep claiming him as a dependent. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. It, any other common kind of hiccups or issues that you see for divorcing families? Um, I know we had initially talked about common law marriage. Ah, right. Good old common law. Because <laughs> common law can be interesting. And it's an issue I see a lot as a probate attorney because you'll see people living together for long periods of time um, and they've never gotten married, but people think they're married, right? So that can be, that tax return can be a sticking point for proof that you actually are married. So it really helps. I, th I think one message I would really drive home for people is, um, you know, if you are living with somebody, uh, but you know, it, help the help other people know: is it are you married or are you not married? Right. 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 And I always say, if you're living together and you're not married, do a cohabitation agreement. Make it very clear: we are not married. Mm -hmm. Right. If we decide to get married, then we're going to have a, a formal marriage. Um, but we're not just going to like stumble into marriage. I think people don't understand with common law in Texas that, you know, so long as you meet the three prongs, which is you live together, uh, you agreed to be married and you held yourselves out, then then the law will treat you as married. Correct. But there's a huge, there can be a huge fight in probate. So if like, if you fully intend to leave your house to your partner, then you should execute a will that says that, or you should have documents that say that. You guys should have, like you can even in the state of Texas, write something in your own hand and sign it and say, this is what I wanted so that siblings don't come out of the woodwork. Cause that's siblings, the big one. It's parents, siblings that didn't like your choice of lifestyle or however it may be, 
you'll find they'll come right away after yeah. the death of that, that yeah. individual. And in fact, the big Texas, uh, the big Supreme Court case that sort of that um, made common law available for uh, same-sex marriages yep. um, is Obergefell, and that came out of a probate case. Exactly. And yeah. so, I mean, it is probate. We we see where the issues get um, get taken up to court, and it can be big battles. Yeah. And if you truly are, you say you have common law status and you're married, you can file your tax returns together. Because again, Texas is a community property state and, and and a common law state. So you can do that and file the returns in. Right. You don't even have to file No, no. But if you're married, then just file your tax returns as married. <laughs> yeah. And also sign something that says, we agree we're married. Or I want, or if you're not, if you don't agree to be married, you don't do the things like that, but you sign something that says, I want my spouse to have the house. You do a transfer on death deed, have a will, you have a trust, something. And that'll that'll really help the heirs and the other family members. Because what we don't want to see is the big battle with, you know, if you have children and just the fighting it out. It's 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 very bad. And it costs the estate tens, twenties, fifties, thousands worth of dollars to, to litigate that. So. And so, Robin, you also do estate planning. Yes. So you help people avoid these messy issues at death. Yes. <laughs> we try and avoid it uh, as best as possible and how you avoid it. And like I said, that's the big one right there. It's the one we see the most, some, the most issues with is not clear plans or clear understanding of what that individual really wanted. Because after you die, you have no voice anymore yeah. if you haven't written it down. So yeah, and and doing that planning at the front end, it isn't you know doesn't have to be terribly expensive. It can be fairly fairly routine things that we just take care of. Um, the other thing we talked a little bit about, but I'd love for you to touch on, is the idea of succession planning. So if you own your own business, you know, making sure you have a plan in place for yeah. what happens upon your death. What does that look like? So a business succession plan is basically like. Like I have a law firm. So if I die, who takes over my law firm? So I have to have like life insurance in place for someone, for like my spouse, for my new succession person to buy out my spouse. Because my spouse isn't an attorney, so he can't own a law firm, right, in Texas. It's the rule right now, uh, whether that'll change or not. But also you have to make sure that like if you have a partnership, I, generally people don't want to be in business with the other person's spouse. That's that true. Causes, <laughs> that causes some issues. Too. Yeah, <laughs> right. So there's always a good thing for business succession planning, and you can always do it for for divorce. You can make sure that your business is part of your trust, so your trust takes care of it, and a trustee takes care of it versus your spouse. Like, there's so many options. You just have to sit down and really think. Like, if something happened to me, what would I want to happen? What would be the best option for me and my family? Um, generally, it's not like if someone owns a construction company, like, like a guy owns a construction company, probably his wife doesn't want to own the construction company or run the construction company. But how do we move that onto the next person? Who would do that for me? Who would buy it? Who would I, who would be able to sell it in that scenario as well? Okay, great. Yeah. Lots of good information. Mm -hmm. We're going to include a link to your website in our show notes below. So if you want to learn more about how Robin and her team can help you plan for a uh, 
death and also plan for to avoid big tax issues in the future and keep your life humming along. Um, or if you have big tax issues, you definitely want to reach out to her. And so if you have any questions, please do contact her. And also, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to hit subscribe so you can stay tuned in to all of our future episodes as we talk about issues that are important for families.